0: Hello, hello, hello. It's rookie fantasy drafting on the Big D podcast. Before I bring in the night special guest, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We can see all my content. I like Justin Thomas to win the PGA Championship this week, so go bet on him. Also check out the Big D podcast on Spotify and Apple. So joining us is the host of the Full Press Packers. If you want some Canadian football league, and I guarantee you he's got some XFL or USFL coverage in there, my uh, buddy Kyle Sneddon. Kyle, uh, did, I, did I forget the, uh, all the other football leagues?
1: Well, that's the thing. I, I stick strictly to NFL and CFL. Uh, I don't really uh, watch or do any fantasy content for XFL or USFL. However. If you are looking for that stuff, I suggest you go to goingfor2.com. I do contribute there occasionally. Uh, a lot of times, writing uh, DFS stuff. Uh, last year, actually, last few years, I've been writing Yahoo DFS content for Going for Two. I know there's that. That's a, a platform that doesn't get a lot of exposure to, so I kind of like to kind of, you know, just put that out there and, and know if anyone's looking for that platform and, and trying to find find just uh, some content about the weekly yahoo dfs uh, contest and feel free to check out uh, the articles on going for during the season and like i said cfl but uh, yeah i do a lot of uh redraft dynasty salary cap contract leagues a lot of stuff fantasy football related so yeah full press fantasy pod as well as the full press packers pod and a couple of live shows with the going for two live network so uh yeah thanks for all that <laughs> dylan time for letting me know everything and uh thanks for having me on i always enjoy talking with you
0: no, th- no, thanks for hopping on. And by the way, Kyle, I get—I bet you love the half-point PPR on Yahoo compared to the full point on DraftKings, right? And
1: I really, mean, I like, really brilliant this
0: when we want to use Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamal.
1: Uh that's true. I, I, yeah, it does seem like that they're the the, the the top end prices for for those pass catching backs tend to not be too extreme. Although when when you know, Derek Henry's price last year early in the season got quite uh, inflated. And, uh, to me, you know, I'd rather half or full than zero PPR. That's for sure. Uh, but outside of having some form of PPR, I I can take uh, and be really happy and content with all sorts of different scoring settings. And that's kind of what I love about football. A lot of like the flavor of talking rookie drafts is, uh, for myself is just how many of the, these rookie drafts I I personally did, were just so different in terms of league size, uh, set scoring settings, even just roster requirements. So, uh, that's, Part of the fun puzzle of fantasy football that we get to play.
0: Yeah, so Kyle, you all like you've been, you've done more rookie drafts than than most anybody I've known. Like, how many rookie drafts have you done?
1: Lifetime or just this no, year?
0: No, in the last couple of weeks since the draft. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, because well, I mean, going back to 2015, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have done a lot more than me, but uh, yeah. Uh, so I've done. I did one that was uh, we. Yeah, I think we did the weekend before the NFL draft, or at least that's when we started. So I think we through four rounds of that rookie draft. We ended up finishing a couple days before the NFL draft, but I've done four since then, since the NFL drafts happened, four different rookie drafts myself. And then uh, I've also had a bit of, info on some of my uh, co-hosts on the dynasty gambit for instance that's the going for two live show we do and uh, we talked rookie drafts and so i got to share some of the drafts as well so i got a bit more information than what i've just done myself but yeah myself personally one pre-nfl draft and four rookie drafts since
0: yeah so rookie draft just like the NFL draft involves 2022 draft picks so uh, as as in most fantasy leagues, it seems like running backs, whether it be Dynasty or whatever, Dynasty, superflex or whatever, running backs are so critical. And in the four drafts that I see here, Brees Hall, the Jet rookie, is the first guy in uh, all those drafts. Uh, doesn't surprise me. I mean... Be honest. Is Brees Hall the first, the only rookie you consider one-one, or it, or, or there are
1: there other guys you consider
0: considering?
1: Well, yes. If I'm personally drafting, I would have Brees Hall as the 101. And I guess if you gave me enough drafts, I, I might, you know, on the on, you know, gave me ten rookie drafts to do, and I had the 101 on in all of them. I <laughs> had a lot of bad teams, a lot of teams I traded up for, but I might on the tenth one or make a different one or on nine, ten, take a couple of different players to diversify. But yeah, I think Brees Hall seems to be what I've seen in all the drafts. I've been, he's been the one one and uh, out of all everything, my co hosts and all the drafts I've kind of seen witness to personally in terms of seeing the draft boards. I think only one time I saw Kenneth Walker go one-on-one. So, and I really like Kenneth Walker compared to Brees Hall. And so I might put, you know, while well, I'd say Brees Hall for sure the one one I could also make the argument that it's not just Brees Hall tier one in terms of prospect. It seems like that's how it is kind of in drafts where he's the one one and then from there the 102 is not so obvious. It'll be different in a lot of different leagues. Uh, but I feel like talent-wise, Walker's right up there and, and I couldn't necessarily fault anyone if they only had that one pick, couldn't trade, find a way to trade back to, to go with their wide receiver one if they really truly believed in a wide receiver one that had that much talent. Uh, so it, it, it is possible, but You know, again, mostly, you're going to see 95% of the time, if not more, Brees Hall going as the one-on-one.
0: So why does Brees Hall make the most sense at one-on-one?
1: Is it because he's a dual
0: threat running back? Yeah, of course, the Jets drafted Michael Carter from North Carolina last year, but it seems like every team's using multiple running backs. I mean, other than maybe a Derrick Henry, you don't get that bell-caliber running back now.
1: Yeah, certainly none of these guys seems like they're going to offer that immediately, but all well, especially specifically Hall and Kenneth Walker both have the potential to maybe do something like that. And I, th- I think with Hall, it's the production and it, you looked I looked at, I think it was about 30 or so running backs. Some of, a lot of which were drafted here. Some went undrafted and out of all of them. Even the guys, even Pierre Strong at at a small school, North Dakota State, where he could just rack up the yards against poor defenses. Brees Hall had the most scrimmage yards per season of this entire class. And there's a lot of really productive players like Isaiah Spiller, for instance, but Hall kind of trumped everyone just purely on a production basis. And that was in part due to what you said earlier, Dylan, about the pass catching role. So, you know, scrimmage yards, I think is important. That's why I look at, I specifically said that because the combination of not only his efficiency on the ground, but how much of a threat he was is catching the football. And then I think the other thing that really solidified it was the relative athletic score, a 9.96, the highest running back in this class. So another thing where he's the number one in a really important category of athleticism, how can he maximize the the plays when the the holes do open for the offensive line and he and he can get that open space can he make defenders miss and really gain those extra yards and really make the big play potential happen And, and we love that for fantasy a long touchdown run not only the six points but if you're going 30 40 yards it's it's not just a simple okay get uh you know a five yard touchdown and get the extra half point you're getting you know almost you know you're almost getting fifty percent of the touchdown scoring on on a on a run. I mean if you if you run thirty yards that's that's what you're getting there. So uh, the long playability seems potential really really possible with uh, Hall's potential. And then the first running back selected in the draft, although Walker went shortly after, and Walker had pretty good uh, certainly the the athletic score nine point two three I believe it was uh, still in the top ten of this class, but not quite to where Hall was. And then you can argue like better landing spot, Jets, Seahawks. If you argue in either direction, I don't think either stands out as that much better. Uh, so then it really all comes down to, you know, what do you know, tape wise? What do you see in these players? Who do you think? Do you think one is clearly better than the other? And I had actually Walker ranked ranked one in this class and Brees Hall ranked third and pretty close score. And then kind of a little bit of a tier gap after Hall to the, to the next uh, group of guys. But uh, so even though my initial evaluation said Walker, Everything else points towards hall, so I think it kind of makes it the obvious 101 or at least RB1 and then because there's no obvious wide receiver one, it kind of also then naturally lends to hall being the, the rookie 101. And like you said, running backs go high at fantasy drafts and rookie drafts especially is, is, is especially if, if there's not a large group of, of running backs that you really want to take in the first round, i'd argue there's only two running backs worthy of being top 12 picks. And that is Hall and Walker, which also pushes them up to not just be top 12 picks, but top five picks in most rookie drafts. And in some cases, 101, 102 in rookie drafts.
0: Does Kenneth Walker's last of a lack of receive and upside concern you? Because, I mean, yeah, he was a great runner at Michigan State, but he really wasn't much of a receiver, unlike
1: Hall, unlike James Cook from Georgia. Yeah, there's quite a few, and I know uh, this is something to credit to Zach Reed from a podcast called The Dynasty Dummies, and he's kind of he did this study, and it, the threshold he was looking for was 20 receptions, and there's a, a decent enough correlation between the running backs who hit 20 receptions at least once in college, one full season of 20 receptions or more, and it correlated to them be translating a lot of time to a, at least one 30 reception season in the NFL. So just kind of showing that it, it does. You know, it's, a, it's a stepping stone to kind of get to where you need to in the NFL and uh, Walker's best season last year at Michigan state, his only season at Michigan state uh, 13 receptions. So he does miss that threshold. Unlike guys like Hall and Spiller and cook, uh, you know, there's they had seasons with 30, 40 receptions. So easily kind of showing that. And it, it does concern me, but I think the bigger concern with Walker might just be the offense. Can, is that an offense that will allow him to produce a lot of touchdowns? You know, Seahawks, Not a very efficient team, really, whether it's, well, running. And they have been incredibly efficient passing, but that's been because of Russell Wilson. I don't know that there's much secret to that, that his talent has really elevated that team to where they can be a a high-scoring offense, even with kind of low volume. I'm not sure that's the case. So I think the lack of touchdown upside might be more concerning. The Seahawks never really throw much to their running backs, but they do give them a lot of opportunity, a lot of carries. And Kenneth Walker fighting against Rashad Penny, Reese Hall fighting against Michael Carter. Frankly, I mean, on the surface, I mean, Penny's only there for one year, but they also did spend a first-round pick on him. They have seen him give him the rock, so arguably, it's a it's a bigger hurdle to get over than Hall has to get over Michael Carter. But I still think it's they're fairly comparable. So, which is why I think uh, again Hall, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting growing a bit on one particular receiver, but I, I depending on the league, I'd consider. Kenneth Walker at the 102, but I think it it is get to a it does get to a range where the scoring settings, the roster settings, so in terms of how many minimum at each position would really kind of sway my decision on who'd be the 102 if I had it. But I think no matter what the scoring settings would be if I was drafting, I'd take Brees Hall 101.
0: Maybe the most intriguing running back in uh in a rookie league could be a James Cook because to me there's a lot I like especially as a receiver but A, Buffalo throws the ball. You've got so many mouths to feed. A, Josh Allen could run the ball himself for a touchdown. B, you've got Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Dawson Knox, and don't forget the said running back in the backfield. Who was a key target in a Buffalo when the AFC East last steel?
1: Sorry, what are the running back? I mean, I mean, uh, Singletary, you mean? Yeah, definitely uh, single yes. Thanks. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I for some reason I thought you'd named him, but then I realized you hadn't named him. Though, yeah, that that's that's right. Yeah, I I have so many single Terry shares, and maybe that's almost skewing my, my vision on Cook. But the truth is, like I'm not seeing much of a difference between Cook and Rashad White, and I and before the draft I had Rashad White as my RB three, and I still have him as my RB three. But you know, Rashad White getting third round draft capital, I think it was a top 100 pick i believe but i think it was in the in the 90s uh i don't think it was a comp pick but the buccaneers drafting at the end of the third uh and and so i wouldn't consider him in the top 12 but i also then wouldn't consider james cook cuz i still like cook better everything profile wise kind of leans towards white i mean receiving numbers i think they both had a 40 catch season in college so while that's cook's best skill set that's also arguably white's best skill set so that kind of neutralizes each other uh, White was m- far more productive, even if it was just one season, uh, d- didn't really do much before last year with Arizona state, I believe it was, uh, but still got over a thousand scrimmage yards. Uh, and it really showed that like he, he was the capable of handling the workload on the ground often and leads to think, okay, maybe better chance of having the, you know, touches near the goal line and some good touchdown upside, which really what, you know, chasing. And, and I, 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 more hesitant with that with cook and then the relative athletic score Rashad white, his re- relative athletic score was almost as impressive as Brees hall. I believe it was the second highest in the class at uh nine, eight, I think it was a nine, eight, seven. It was a, something along that nature. And, and you know, the, uh, RAS is measured zero to 10. Uh, so yeah, you know, lot of things and scream towards white. And, and I was not, I didn't have really great tape grades on either white or, or, or james cook i know contact balance is a big thing i look for again i'm looking for goal line backs touchdown upside so the, the way i sort of view it kind of hurt both of them so it also means i can't also just rely on that tape you can kind of look at the numbers and the metrics kind of pointing all that the only thing that that i've seen that puts cook ahead of white is the draft capital second round for cook third round for white and there i think is a uh i think it was a 30 or no no, I think it was more than that. There was about a forty or fifty pick difference between the two, so that while significant, I also would argue maybe White's in the better situation. Not so much because Leonard Fournette's there; that that probably hurts White arguably more than Singletary hurts Cook. But it's I think the quarterback, and and this is dependent on Brady being there longer than maybe one year, perhaps. But Brady more propensity to dump down to the running back give your the running back a lot of reception opportunities much more than josh allen so that is the one thing that worries me is while i think the bills would rather josh allen not run the ball as much maybe not him not running the ball as much just means more rushing attempts for singletary they're just they're trying to get the ball out of his hands completely and just get him to hand the ball off as opposed to okay dump down but you know, if if they give him the chance to dump the ball down, maybe he tries to hold it and go deep or just run and take off himself. And those, that competitive tendency just takes over. So I I don't know, maybe I'm drawing too much of a narrative, but I, I still have white ahead of cook. And while I think even like, you know, even at the 201, 201, 202, anywhere in that range. And I mean, I, I did spend the 202 on white in one draft I'm looking at right now. So uh 14 team though, So that would, would have been the 16th overall pick. And that's kind of where I've, I've, gotten three shares of Rashad white. And so me having him at RB three, because one thing I've seen in drafts is James cook to your credit, Dylan does seem to be the running back, the third running back popping into the first round and the RB three going off the, in a lot of boards, but it's not always the case. And frankly, it's not always, it's rarely ever Rashad white. I've seen other guys. I've seen drafts where Tyler Algier is the RB three somewhere. Damian Pierce is the RB three. I've seen Stella. Yeah, that's right. Isaiah Spiller, especially pre-draft. That would have been really common to see. I don't know if I've seen that post-draft at but I, that wouldn't shock me, but I still have Rashad White as the RB3 and I've been getting him. I've gotten three shares of him through my five rookie drafts. One was before the NFL draft, but I still got him at the 16th overall pick there. And it's been that range 16 to 18. And that's where I'd prefer to target Rashad White, James Cook, and all that second tier of running backs that I think between Hall and Walker, I'd have a, a big group of wide receivers, and then, you know, especially in superflex, would definitely have Kenny Pickett in that uh, tier as well. Even in single quarterback, I'd probably still, you know, default to Cook and, and White and a couple other running backs ahead had a Pickett, it, but it, it that'd be tempting just because he is really the only one that that really got the draft capital to make kind of seem that he's going to be the guy. So you mentioned Kenny Pickett and one quarterback taken. In
0: the first round of last month's drafts in Vegas, that being Pitts' Kenny Pickett, who gets to stay home with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But does that mean that Kenny Pickett is automatically the top rookie quarterback in fantasy option because you've got Malik Willis with the Tennessee Titans? I'm trying to think. Who is the quarterback... Uh, who's Desmond he, Ritter. Desmond Ritter with the Atlanta Falcons, and uh, I'm trying to think of the old Miss quarterback at the top. Matt Corral. Matt Corral with uh, the Carolina Panthers. Does that mean is Kenny Pickett still the top quarterback rookie rookie quarterback in fantasy leagues, or one of the other guys potentially? Because to me. I'm hearing more and more rumors about how the Tennessee Titans players are unhappy with Ryan Tampa.
1: Well, yeah, and I suppose I, I do wonder what kind of opportunity Malik Willis gets. I think there's a, there's a big risk with Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral, especially, where if those teams, the Falcons and Panthers, are so bad where they're drafting in the top five, top ten again, the temptation to take quarterbacks from next year's class might be too much to where those guys just get drafted over immediately. I guess if the Titans choose to move on from Tannehill, unless he completely implodes, because he's been pretty good and they, they've been competitive, and I mean they were the number one seed last year, and while uh, less than desirable playoff performance, he yeah, you know, the 300 receptions are really bad, but Tannehill still made some plays in that game. The the one touchdown throw to AJ Brown perfectly. Uh, on time, on the spot, great catch by Brown to, to make it, but that was literally right to his hands, perfectly in stride. So great timing, great accuracy. And I think it was the only touchdown pass thrown in that game. So uh, Joe Burrow didn't throw any touchdowns in that game, but I mean, the team still won. So that was obviously what mattered there. But, you know, Tannehill still showed some things, man. And to at least think that they're not going to be awful. Like they're the Titans aren't going to be drafting the top five, top 10 next year in all likelihood. So it at least protects Malik Willis from those or that early rounds, but who knows how many quarterbacks, that, I guess the Titans in theory could still draft over him. If someone falls to the second round that they can't, they, that they really just can't turn uh pass up on, you know, suddenly he's taken a, a full round ahead of Malik Willis and, and maybe given the opportunity. So there's, I guess that little bit of risk, but it seems like outside of picket Willis does seem to have the, the least amount of risk that he'll get, Drafted over, so yeah, and I mean the skill set, the the rushing ability, we, we covet that in fantasy. Uh, does make it tempting, but I still I, I and again I I had Willis as my QB one before, but the draft capital is kind of inescapable. I think what the NFL is telling us is these guys aren't ready because even the Titans and Falcons and Panthers they they took those those three guys, but still passed them over twice before doing so. So while they they like them and were willing to take them. They weren't sold on them enough to take them in the first round. So, it does speak to maybe a, a inability on those quarterbacks' part to come out and immediately contribute, which maybe isn't the worst thing for fantasy. But it's also how long are they waiting on rosters? You don't want Jordan Love, and I mean, the one th- in I just I kind of remember like rookie drafts where Jordan Love was going usually third round and. You know, definitely a lot later. These like, you know, Willis Ritter and Corral, especially going a lot later since the NFL draft. But still, I I see them in a lot of super flex drafts, rookie drafts, still going in the second round. So it's a little bit more risk than what people are spending on Jordan Love. Maybe a you know none of none of those guys have Aaron Rodgers in front of them. Uh, Nothing even close. I mean, well, I, I like Mariota, but I think Tannehill actually stands out as probably the best quarterback. Out of that budge. So, in, in in a sense, Willis also maybe has the least amount of chance to start this year. Could easily see Mac Corral starting over Sam Darnold at any point this year, whether it's due to injury or just simply they're tired of Sam Darnold's poor play and, and Matt Corral can't possibly be any worse. Uh, maybe that same sentiment applies to Mariota, but not to the same extent, I think, as Sam Darnold. Mariota's shown success. I mean, he's won games, he's gotten team he, well, uh, one season anyway, the Titans to the playoffs. So Ritter does kind of have to that hurdle to go over. And while Trubisky's also been to the playoffs, the Steelers spending a first round pick on Pickett kind of does say a belief in maybe his ability to play immediately, compete for the job. I think I don't know what you do you, Dylan, do you think Pickett has a, a legit chance to compete for that starting job this year? Or are they red shirting it and giving it to Trubisky? Uh
0: be honest, I think it's 50. I think it's either 50-50 or 60-40. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if either guy started in Pittsburgh. I mean, uh, I think uh Pickett, I mean, a lot of people said for the draft Pickett was the most pro-ready quarterback. He doesn't offer the greatest upside, like he doesn't have a big arm, but I feel like Pickett can play now, he can pick up an offense. Played under more of a pro style offense, some of these other guys. So I feel like Pickett can pick up the NFL offense better. Plus, in Pittsburgh, you've got Najee Harris, Deontay Johnson, and Chase Claypool to get a really good tight end and Pat fr- Fryer move. So, and plus, the are not going to put him, Kenny Pickett out there and feed into the wolves. They're going to run the ball and win with good defense. Some of those other quarterbacks might be playing because the other because the Sonic quarterback just flat out stinks. I mean, the Carolina Panthers are going to be sick and tired when Sam Darnold throws
1: another pick six. And I mean, like none of those offensive lines are great. Although the Steelers may be certainly on the weaker end, might be arguably the worst out of those four teams. But outside of the line, you said it with all the weapons. I'd go a step further. That's probably the best coaching staff and organization to be behind. I mean, they've had three coaches in the last uh, fifty years. So, I guess for well, yeah, fifty years really. I mean, uh, yeah, Ch- Chuck Noll was hired in the in the sixties, right? So uh, you yeah, know, this Chuck, is a, yeah, Chuck
0: Noll, Bill Cowell, Hall of Famer,
1: Hall of Famer, and Mike Tomlin, probably a future Hall of Fame coach. All Super Bowl winners as well, and so you know, it's an organization that's patient. And I mean, they haven't spent a first round pick on a quarterback since Ben Roethlisberger and they kept him his entire career. So it does seem like them taking Pickett, while it wasn't nearly as high as, I believe Ben Roethlisberger was a top 10 pick if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, you know, it's still the commitment of a first round pick on a quarterback. And even if he doesn't, you know, even if, like you're saying, Trubisky gets the start this year, but I, I, I legit think it's, it is 60, 40, maybe even close to 50, 50, that picket might start. But I, I do think, it's open competition. Like no one's being handed anything. So the best quarterback will get it. And maybe that is Trubisky right away. Um, And it might be one of those things where if, if Trubisky wins the job in training camp, it's his the rest of the year, unless he play like they may bench him for a game. Give Pickett the start, but like you, you know, Trubisky's going to start every game. You, you've earned it in training camp and, and it'll go through. We, I, we really don't know how Tomlin's going to handle that. Is it whoever wins? Like, if, I mean, I would assume it. I mean, if Pickett wins the job in training camp, he'd have to be completely awful to them turn away from him. So it's one of those where it's probably easier to start Trubisky as well. Uh, but if I mean, if Pickett's clearly better, he's probably going to get it though. That's that seems like Tomlin's that kind of straightforward guy, but it, it is. You know, if, if Trubisky wins the job, is it you've won the job for the year? And even if we even if we have to bench you for a game, even if we pull you for a game just to give the other guy experience, you're going to still start every game as long as we're in the playoff hunt. If, if that's how, you know, winning and, and that's kind of what you're striving for and you'd assume Tomlin's going to go at least 500 because he's been doing it even with Ben's awful quarterback play the last few years. Um, Or is it Trubisky's won the job, but if Pickett, improves during the season and somehow proves to be the better option. Like if, you know, if they get to week 12 and they're seeing stuff in practice where they say, okay, if we saw this before week one, we would have named him the starter. If, if does it get to that point And then they go to pick it. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how Tomlin's going to handle it because he, he hasn't had to handle it before. I mean, you know, he wasn't there during Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season. So he never had to handle Ben as a rookie or ever that transition. So that's going to be, I guess, a new challenge for, for Tomlin. So. Uh, But, but even so that's probably the best spot for any quarterback to land. And it was in the first round, two rounds above anyone else. If Willis or or Ritter, I really like those two, especially for their running ability. If either of those guys went in the second round, especially early second and it made it closer. Okay. Okay. They're only separated by maybe a dozen or so picks or, or, you know, maybe 15, 20 picks at most. That's maybe more interesting, but third round capital. That's, that's a little scary for those quarterbacks. So kind of like I was saying with James Cook, Rashad white outside of picket, I don't want to take any of these quarterbacks in the first round of rookie drafts. And I'd even say the first half of the second round, like to me, top 20 rookie pick on any of these other quarterbacks outside of Pickett, it would be really scary proposition. As much as I liked Willis and Ritter's profile before the draft, I, I wouldn't, I, I so far haven't had any shares and that's, Partially because when I'm getting to the second round, I, I like a lot of the wide receivers. and You know, early second, go going after those running backs like Rashad White and James Cook if they fall there. But certainly the mid to late second round where I'd consider quarterbacks, there always seems to be a wide receiver I like that falls.
0: Speaking of wide receivers, uh, it seems like there's different wide receivers who everybody takes in rookie drafts. I mean, to me, it seems like there are two, three consensus top Wide receiver picks the first one. I'm uh first one to me seems like Trayvon Burks, the Arkansas rookie with the Titans, only because who who else do the Titans have besides Derek Henry on offense? Uh let's see. Because well, I just
1: took Austin Hooper in a startup, so uh, I I'd hope Austin Hooper produces this year, but uh Robert Woods coming off the ACL tear. But yeah, it's uh you're right, it's it is a an open depth chart. Does the same logic apply to Drake London? Because outside of Kyle Pitts, who could basically be Atlanta's Derrick Henry, which which almost makes me vomit to say that. I shouldn't like Derrick Henry's done so much in the NFL. Kyle Pitts should not be compared to him. But that idea that like the identity weapon, I don't know. I think Drake London's opportunity is wide open. But to me, I've got those two as one, two at wide receiver. And they'd be the only two receivers I'd consider taking over Kenneth Walker. Agreed. It would be what when, when I was mentioning earlier, uh, Dylan was, you know, if, if you give me 10 rookie drafts where I have the 101, I'll take probably Brees hall. I'll say maybe seven. I'll give, give me one Kenneth Walker just to diversify. And then I'll take a share of Burks and London each, but yeah, I get the sense that the, the, the big body types, the, the high ceiling performances, especially it seems like with London, with the, with the deep ball and Burks yard after the catch ability kind of looks like it to me is putting them, in my eyes, production-wise and value-wise, kind of above. And uh, London got the top ten capital, so it, I'd, I'd say it's those two for me. But my tier of top rookie wide receivers does end after three. So I, I like I, I knew So you're do you do you think Burks is the one? Is that kind of what you're kind yes. of playing?
0: Yes, and even though he wasn't the top guy, he was what the one, two, six wide receiver taking. Yep. It seems like Burks is the top. Rookie option only because of who's not in Nashville anymore. No A.G. Brown and no Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. When you look at, like, Garrett Wilson's got Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and the running backs. For Salabi's got, oh, wait, some guy named Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry.
1: And James Alvin Kamara
0: And Alvin Kamal. And Jameson Williams is coming off a 20-0 and probably won't be ready until the fall.
1: Yeah, those that yeah. And and I think out of all those first round uh, wide receivers, like first round the NFL drafted, I think he got the best quarterback in Tannehill. Um frankly, and it was funny, funny I was saying earlier, right? Like Tannehill seems like he's better than Mariota. Out of that group, Mariota might be the second best quarterback. And maybe that's just because I'm a Jameis Winston hater. Most people would probably say Jameis, but even at Jameis at a ceiling, what Tannehill's kind of shown efficient efficiency-wise over the last couple of years. Burks got the best quarterback out of these first round NFL receivers. I'm pretty convinced of that. So that would also be a notch in that favor. I have seen Burks go as the wide receiver. I've, I, in drafts I've been, there have been three different receivers to go as the wide receiver one in rookie drafts. And sometimes as high as the one Oh two, sometimes that's the one Oh three, depending on where Walker's going or where a quarterback's going. Uh, but it's been tr- either Traylon Burks, Drake London or Garrett Wilson. And that would be that Garrett Wilson's my three. So that's my top three for rookie wide receivers um, I believe that should be like that. Those three alongside Kenneth Walker should be the first five picks in rookie drafts, regardless of format. I don't know. Do, how, how do you feel? Like, do you think that's fair to say those top five, or is it for you, Dylan, maybe a, a, a clear top three where Burks is the so clear the wide receiver one, and it's only him and the, the two running backs. And then it's a teardrop. Like, how do you, how do you view it?
0: Uh, I think it's probably the top three to me, only because I, I still – I like Garrett Wilson's athleticism. And I feel like in today's NFL, I mean, we'll find out this year whether or not Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, and Corey Davis can all get passes because uh, eventually the Jets have got to figure out whether Zach Wilson can play.
1: So- so anyway, what I've seen kind of in rookie drafts is depending on, cause I've seen like Jamison Williams go with the one Oh three is, and you know, everyone will kind of have their wide receiver that, that rises up. And I'm in a couple of uh, dynasty uh, group chats, uh, dynasty patron chats, uh, dynasty and chill and dynasty trades HQ. And I'm only calling them out because uh, I do really appreciate uh, those podcasts for their content. So it's ch- like anyone to just kind of, love dynasty strategy check out the dynasty and chill podcast and there is a well i did mention Patreon, and and there's paid content there is a a free podcast available on on most podcast podcast platforms so dynasty and chill and dynasty trades hq and what i've seen in a lot of those chats and the big benefit is just seeing people talk about their rookie drafts and so much exposure hundreds of members and (laughs) hundreds upon thousands even of, of rookie drafts happening uh and Uh, Just so some of the things I've heard is uh, like 103, you might see a James Cook go, or Sky Moore, or Jamison Williams, right? So, but but for the most part, it's been Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Drake London, and in kind of whatever order. And so some people are are like you, Dylan, uh, where it's Traylon Burks as the wide receiver one clearly. Uh, Others are like me, where it's okay, is it a clear tier of three? And it's interesting, but one thing I've I've seen in every draft it seems like it's a clear cutoff of top nine uh, where uh, you've got the, and again, in the guys of all these drafts are super flex, but like in super flex drafts, I haven't seen Kenny Pickett go out outside the first. He's been in the first round of every super flex draft. And I think it's just going as the QB one now since the NFL draft. And of course the two running backs, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, you also do have James cook. Like, like you were saying that the, uh, you know, your positive love for him, is shared by a lot of the community, and, and he seems to be the the only other running back I've seen go in the first round since the NFL draft. Again, you might have a few like a, again, a Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier, Rashad White, Isaiah Spiller is an RB three in the class, but you know it's because Cook's falling and those guys are going early second more than anything. But Cook seems to be the one that might rise. So you've you've got maybe four players there that are, are going in the first, but certainly Hall, Walker, and Pickett, and then after that you've got uh, about nine wide receivers that I think should all be worthy of being in the first round. We've already mentioned uh, quite a few of those names, but uh, again, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave I already referenced sky Moore, but also the other first round NFL wide receiver that I know we don't like as much, but because that first round capital still seen a lot of times go in the first round, Jahan Dotson, if Christian Watson as well, George Pickens, but, that cutoff after Sky Moore, it seems like those are the clear nine. So again, it would be the Hall Walker, Pickett, and then uh from there six wide receivers. And that's again Wilson, Burks, London, Williams, Olave, and Sky Moore. Like I've all nine of those players I've seen go in the first round of every draft. And then again, you'll have a, a Watson, Pickens, Dotson, any of those guys rise up into the end of the first round. James Cook, again, maybe a running back, but uh it's a lot of wide receivers in the first round. I got to say, more than half of the first rounds of rookie drafts usually tend to be wide receivers, and even in the second round, it gets to be a lot there. And I think it's it, they go fast and heavy. And I think that my approach to a lot of rookie drafts I've been is, uh, you know, that those ranges first and second round, and you know, unless you've got the the pocket tier where you can get the running back at the right spot, so Rashad White in the early to mid second. James Cook in the early second, or if you have a 101, 102 and get Holland Walker, uh, kind of ignoring the running backs there and trying to get wide receivers through those first two rounds and then hit running back heavy in the third and fourth rounds. Because I think there are a lot of good running backs that went in the draft and even some undrafted that landed in interesting spots that give them opportunities with some interesting profile. So uh, certainly in the third and fourth round, that's where I kind of want to take a lot of late shots because a lot of the where I don't want to necessarily invest in is late day three wide receivers. Cause those guys have so much to kind of overcome wide receiver depth charts are usually really c- crowded. Whereas, you know, all named Tyler Algier kind of is the guy that really raised for me uh, outside of James Cook, of course, uh, to be the RB five, kind of talk about the, the top four, but Tyler Algier really comes up as the RB five for me, simply the opportunity with the Falcons. I liked him. I had him my RB 13 before the draft. So it's, you know, thir- only eight spot difference but uh, the chance with the, the Falcons and his particular skill set, uh, I, I found his best attribute was his contact balance. So does kind of lead to, okay, goal line back, maybe some touchdown upside. And it seems like that's something that the Falcons are lacking that, that plotting running back. That's really good in short yardage between the tackles and can grind out some touchdowns. So I think Algier has quite the opportunity and uh, you know, a f- fifth round wide receivers. I don't know really many, any that have like clear path to opportunity. Uh, I'm pulling up the draft recap now. Uh, I can't, I, I don't have a fifth round wide receivers. Oops. Uh, Sorry. Uh, But like a a lot of the wide receivers that I want to target fantasy wise are second, maybe third round at, at best. And even some second round wide receivers, we don't want to take like a Taequann Thornton who went in the second round. And like, he's going third, fourth round, sometimes even undrafted in some rookie drafts. Uh, But there really aren't any very many, fifth round wide receivers that I think are worth taking. I guess Khalil Shakir might be the, the only like day three wide receiver that really stands out simply opportunity with Buffalo. And it seems like he was someone that should have gone earlier than he did. Like it was a surprise that he lasted until day three. So we also liked the profile, but outside of Shakir, like I am mostly sticking to wide receivers taken in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. And when it gets to late in rookie drafts, really just target as many running backs as possible. I've got a lot of different shares through five drafts. I don't have any copies of any player except for Rashad white, three shares of Rashad white. So 60% through those five drafts. And that includes a, a rookie draft where I traded out all my picks. So it was really is like Rashad white in three out of four drafts where I actually had picks and it was again, but it was all in that second round range. So that's where I took him. And then a lot of shares of different running backs all throughout the fourth round. Uh, sometimes third rounds with like Tyler Algier, Keontae Ingram, a guy I really liked before the draft. He was my RB4 before the draft, uh, falling a little bit, going to the sixth round with the Cardinals. But again, I'm more willing to take uh, running backs who got day three capital as opposed to wide receivers who got the same type of draft capital.
0: How about in one of your leagues, where you traded like the 108 pick for an N- for an established NFL player?
1: Yeah, uh, I've done this in a few drafts, actually, where I've traded out picks, uh, one in which the rookie draft hasn't happened yet. So I still have no idea what those picks are going to be, but just kind of wanted to bail out. But for something, uh, this happened during the draft, and it's a salary cap contract league. So there's also a little bit of an extra wrinkle to this trade that does work in my favor, uh, that does help me kind of moving forward. But uh, essentially, at the 108, uh, it was right after that tier, it was it would I would have been after the five wide receivers that went in the first round that we want to draft. So, Jahan Dotson was available, but I really didn't want to take him at 108. And, you know, RB3 Rashad White was way too early. And because it's only a 10 team league, the quarterback scarcity is lower. And this was not the draft I wanted to take Kenny Pickett in. I actually did draft a Kenny Pickett share uh, in another league, and I can get to that in a little bit, but I uh, didn't want to take Pickett there. So then it was really okay, it's a big tier of receivers. Uh, there's really four guys I wanted to take, but I also had the two Oh two. So I knew probably a good chance. I get one of those guys anyway. So do I want to double up and take at that point? It would, you know, debating between Skymore and Christian Watson, but I would have gone Christian Watson, honestly, even though now I'm seeing Skymore go ahead of Christian Watson, almost every draft and probably would kind of make me change my mind a little bit, just seeing how often and like almost unanimously Skymore going in the first round, but I didn't really want to take Watson there. I felt like I could get, I could maximize that pick more to try and, and go for it. And, and, but still not just get a player again, salary cap contract league that was on an expire, ex, expiring contract and just get a one-year rental. But uh, someone was willing to sell me Darnell Mooney, two years left, as opposed to a four-year rookie contract. But uh, the caveat is Darnell Mooney's salary is actually really low, uh, lower than what the 108 would be. The 108 is making about five million per year, whereas so and uh, Darnell Mooney, uh, I think it's uh, three point one million. So a two million dollar in cap savings, uh, which over a hundred and eighty two million dollar salary cap isn't much. But again, anything that kind of leads in that direction of saving money helps. And so going from the 108, I, I gave up the 108, got Mooney back. I also got a fourth round pick, the 409 inconsequential just kind of th- throw in just to say I didn't give the pickup straight up for Mooney, but it's again, rookie contracts. And even if the player doesn't uh, pan out, it's, it was Hassan Haskins. I ended up taking at four or nine, by the way. Uh, so, you know, if Derrick Henry gets hurt. Maybe there's an insurance backup there. Maybe he's the third guy, but you know, take a shot, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. Like fourth round, it was, I had a, a list of running backs I wanted at the end of the fourth and just kind of where my rankings fell. He was the guy I took. Ty, Ch- uh, Ty Chandler from the Vikings was also there, but went Haskins. But anyway, trading away Mooney, saw the draft keep going, and at two hundred two, Christian Watson was still there. So I got the guy I was gonna take one at one hundred eight anyway. So I felt kind of okay. I, I I felt like I really did maximize the pick instead of just take Watson. You know, I might have got Christian Watson and Jahan Dotson and double up on two rookie wide receivers. But even though I only get two years of Mooney, the little bit less on the contract does help me going into the free agency auction. I also have Justin Fields in this league. So the stack, if they, if they work out and they produce well, well, the stack will be nice to kind of help with the added ceiling, but just kind of getting a player that I think is already shown to be better. Even if it's only a two-year contract, I still have a chance to maybe extend him after those two years and can get it relatively cheap. It might not be so bad and and could maybe control him further than those two years. But I know that at least not just a one-year rental. So the context, the trade while the contract length isn't as good the contract the salary amount is better so kind of makes up for it there
0: yeah and and then when you're trying to save every nickel and penny it helps when you get a number one receiver albeit with a
1: crappy roster though i mean i mean that, that to be fair my team is not that great either but one of the advantages i do have going into this free agency period is uh right now i have the second amount of, most of cap space and the person i traded with at the 108 that does now have to eat a little bit more salary with the james cook he's the one that has the most and so uh you know he'd be the one i'm kind of directly competing against so especially any dollar i can send towards him and save off mine almost counts double in that sense so uh that that also knowing which particular manager i made that trade with also kind of helped me in in that way
0: (laughs) double double it double helps you so, it's the
1: game within the game within the game, right? It's part of, the, again, the fun puzzle of fantasy football. There's always an edge to be had.
0: So thanks for hopping on, Kyle. Uh, I'm figuring out how to do these rookie drafts because, I mean, it's fun to see what these young kids can do now and going forward because who knows? I mean, I'm sure there would be – I'm sure there be 2023 drafts just waiting for Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud.
1: And it also seems like a good group of running backs. Uh, but yeah, so, so far through five rookie drafts, I've made one first round pick. So it's also showing that I'm just not, you know, if I've like, again, an example with that 108 where I traded it on the clock or I've traded it out beforehand. And funny enough, as much as I didn't like this quarterback before the draft, that one, that only first round pick I've made is Kenny Pickett. So uh, it was a league where it's funny. This is a league where there's two super flex spots as well as the one QB spot. So start up to three. And it felt like this is the league where quarterbacks are the most valuable out relative to all these other leagues. I'm in 12 teams. So, you know, the 14 team QB scarcity is there, but not quite like, like something like seeing that this, where you can start up to three. So to me, that, and I was sitting at the one Oh six and I actually kind of felt lucky Pickett fell. I, I felt this was a league where I might see him go earlier. I did actually see him again at sometimes one Oh three in one league. I was in, he went one Oh four. Uh, A good friend of mine who I really trust his opinion. And yeah, maybe he's a Steelers fan. I don't think there's much homerism in that pick. I think it was more process of it's super flex. There's no position scarcity anywhere else. Take the quarterback, the first round capital kind of following that process. And I I did in one league where I had the 106 uh, again, because of the scoring settings, because in this case, the roster settings, the start up to three quarterbacks to me, this was the league where I wanted pick it. And that's why I was saying earlier in that other league with only 10 teams, much less court QB scarcity at, even though it was later in the draft at one Oh eight, I still didn't want pick there. I would have definitely gone wide receiver where that's more of a scarce position. So it's also knowing again, the scoring settings of each league kind of how the board changes and what players you're targeting, what players you're aiming for. So uh, hopefully that helps with all the strategy, Dylan. I, I really appreciate getting to talk about, also lots of things lots of different strategy fantasy football fun but especially talking with you you're, you're so great and uh really appreciate you having me on
0: no thanks for hopping on